All subject matter of the preceding podcast is entirely alleged and not admissible in a court of law. A recklessly minimal effort has been taken to change the names and details of any guilty parties. And just in case you right bastards get any ideas, the host of this podcast are notorious and well-documented liars with no legally admissible credibility. This is Mama C, and you're listening to Notes from the Pin Podcast. Welcome to prison, bitch. Hey, that was quick. That was a quick fucking tire change right there for old Doug Sandoval. Don't ever say old people yeah. can't learn new technology. Greetings we, we, we missed because I fucked up, uh, because the road and the amount of friends. We were supposed to podcast the other day when I was in Phoenix, and you called right at the perfect time, but I forgot mm-hmm. we were supposed to do it on this phone where we could have recorded it, and we missed the fucking most beautiful 15 minutes of a Notes from the Pen podcast. It was a, it was a good one, and it wasn't even. Too, we weren't even, you know, halfway through before I was like, I even said it to you. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we should have been recording this, you know, record. <laughs> Today has been a, a day full of podcasts. Uh, a hungover Douglas woke up and had to do Artie Langs, who was pushing well, through his own. I was in Phoenix, and uh, we were supposed to podcast, but Michael Bean was coming in, and Jennifer, uh, his wife, to see the show. And I get there at 10.30 in the morning. I said, just come to our Airbnb and hang out until you can check into your place. So just as he shows up fucking straight off a plane from L.A., he's spitting fire. You call in, and you two start going at each other. And it was a most beautiful fucking roast battle. You're both on your top of your game. Michael Bean yelling into a speakerphone. <laughs> like he's yelling into a conch shell. He's quite understand. You don't have to put your face right up to the phone. And you're busting his balls. And then right in the middle of this, at this fevered pitch, fucking Brendan Walsh comes in and says, hey, Norm MacDonald's dead. Which, if you know Brendan Walsh for years, he would just like tell you uh, that Gene Hackman is dead just to watch the audience all groan. And then say, yeah, see, you never knew how much you loved Gene Hackman until I told you he's dead. You should all go home and write an email to Gene Hackman and tell him how much you have Hackman fever up in this bitch. So, like, the last person you're going to accept news of someone's death from is Brendan Walsh. But he completely kills the fucking – Kaylee fact-checks it as we're yelling bullshit. Nope, Norm's dead at 61. And then we just went right back on with our – with our own phone call. It was fucking a beautiful moment, Bobby. I'm sorry I wasn't there to hit record on the right phone. That's all right. Some of those things are just meant for me and Michael Bean and his wife. Uh, three sons, future three sons, insult. Con, con. And right after, first of all, um, when you first said this whole episode, let's just do this whole episode reliving the <laughs> one we didn't fucking record. The one that I immediately. When Brendan Walsh said that, I go, that's, he's not, everyone says Norm MacDonald's dead. He's not fucking dead. And then we started to go back into it, and you were like, no, Shaley verified it. But, um, yeah, Bean, Michael Bean actually picked the phone up. And we have this real contentious, uh, playful, eh, halfway serious, talking shit talk thing we, we got between the two of us. And um, he picks up the phone, and I immediately recognized it was him, which he was impressed by, which any guy who's fucking senile and a stroke victim. I think it's not really a high bar. He put, remember, he put his wife on the phone and was, like, 
put me in the hot seat and was like, oh, you remember all that shit you were talking about my wife? Well, she's here. You want to say it to her now? <laughs> and then, uh, I played like I wasn't going to at first. And I was like, oh, you mean how smart she is for marrying America's villain who no one likes? <laughs> yeah, I said it to her. I said, uh, she, he's got to be where I, you know, I repeated that uh, I, w- I thought about fucking her, a, a revenge fuck, until I realized how old she was. And, uh, and then it, you know what's interesting about that? Um, hearing you in the background telling him he doesn't uh, need to yell into a fucking speakerphone, first of all, but also how organically it came out that somehow Bill Burr made the mistake of saying something other than flattering about him on a podcast, and now forever, uh, his wife even said, yeah, he loves Bill Burr, but now he's like weird whenever someone brings his, his name up, and I was just... Uh, it's you know, weird how he introduced me for the show at Brendan Walsh brought him up that night uh, to introduce me, and it made it funny. Walsh is saying, yeah, I know this guy from Cameo, but I guess he's also done a lot of movies. And then he started playing clips of movies he's been in, but just one short sentence that has, like, you wouldn't, hey, um, <laughs> stay away from that window or whatever, just something that's not iconic at all. And he played yeah. a bunch of those. And then he played the Dropping Loads guy clip from Stern. Remember that porn star dropping loads? <laughs> no, I didn't get it. He brought him up, and then he gave me this long introduction, and uh, and then he uh, and I knew he would. Just kept overthinking it, and he's calling me the next day, saying, "Yeah, next time I introduce you, I'll have it way more rehearsed." First of all, I think I should introduce myself instead of having <laughs> it. It's just, oh uh, yeah, he's uh. I can't wait to be out there in person and really like give it to him and just back and forth. He, he's, I, I'll give him this. He usually makes the same joke at the end about me being a shitty shot when I try to kill myself. But this one, he put a little bit of a twist on it enough to where I was like, all right, you're back. I'll give you, you get a little pass on that. But a, a lot has happened other than a wonderful phone call that neither of us recorded since we last talked. One of which was your tour. You did the Midwest leg of your tour. and well, I met this 20-year-old and a, a friend who shall remain nameless of yours that used to be in there. The viewers know who the Nine Finger is, and let's just say that he attended a show. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. And uh, he was really, really gassed up about it afterwards. And, and there were both sweethearts. Your girlfriend's smoking hot uh, and... Uh, and and he was the, the most gentle, polite guy ever, especially yeah, he's a, in comparison to my normal crowd. Yeah, he's a he's a sweetheart, super self-deprecating. Now has he's a um, he got his first kiss when he was eighteen, and and when I dug a little deeper, I, I learned that it was a holiday, a New Year's kiss, which I said that doesn't fucking count, but. I've been uh, on him about, it was like two months after he got out, he still hadn't gotten laid, and I'm like, you might as well still be in here. What? Come on, man. Go get a prostitute or something. We talked about this when you were in here. Like, I'm trying to get him to, like, since that time, he has found someone that is, uh, yeah, he's got an old lady now, and they're both crazy, but yeah, he, he's, he's the best. The what, if, what if he took your advice and did get a prostitute, and it was a fucking sting operation, that broke his parole, and now he's right back sitting in your cell going, good advice, buddy. It would have been fair. I would have liked it. I would have had uh, some more company. <laughs> I really would have been like, it's worth the story. Trust me. It's uh, did, he, did he tell you what he was in for? Did you guys talk about that? 
No, I don't ask questions like that. Ho- it's hilarious. Look at you. You're like a real convict. You know not to ask people. He, he got super shit-faced at his sister's wedding and made it all about him, right? He started, he had like a breakdown, started crying and saying, <laughs> oh, he's going to kill me for saying this on here. Uh, he started saying, I feel like I lost my sister. So then he's like, but I'm going to have a standoff first. And like, so he shot a bunch of, he like shot a bunch outside or something. And then he called 911 and assumed, he's great when he's telling the story because he's self-deprecating and he knows it's funny. He, uh, he didn't, there was no response. So he called 911 and assumed that they were close enough to hear the gunshots. And he goes, did you hear that? And she's like, excuse me, sir, did I hear what? And he's like, that was me, that was me shooting. So it turns into this big, long, like, standoff with, with the cops where he's calling and leaving voicemails. Because he, 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 he only had, like, two friends, and they were, like, work friends, right? And they didn't pick up. And so he left messages like, yeah, this is the last, just super, oh, douche, chilly, melodramatic. <laughs> like, this is my last time. You're going to hear my fucking voice. And his, I picture his sister out there in a wedding dress behind a bullhorn. Come out, please come out of the apartment. <laughs> and the SWAT team had to come in, and uh, he broke one of their noses. A whole fucking thing that's just, oh, it's so fucking funny and embarrassing. Yeah, he's great, man. I, I love him. He's a uh, prefers to be a sidekick, which is great for me because he just lingers around, and I get to pontificate. But he was really so. I guess the point is he wasn't really vibrant socially out there. So to come to your show and have, a, like, this movie trope moment where security didn't want to let him back, and then, you know, the, the lady checked, and you were like, yeah, let him in. Was, yeah, just thanks for that, man. He loved it. It was, you, like, made his life pretty much. That was, that was a brilliant weekend, especially with uh, Adam Gilbert and you know, Crip Daddy on stage. It was, it was chaos. Junior Stop is always brilliant. It was a real, he got a real dose of, uh, and he'd never, like, the 23-year-old, you know, she was going to the um, the cellar. She was going to a bunch of stand-ups, I guess, in preparation of my release or something. But he had he had been really been into stand-up. He'd never been to a live one, so he got the full Stanhope Bisbee experience with mutant mutants as openers. And uh, <laughs> and I come like half joking, like, yeah, if you uh, if you go, you got to wear the notes from the pin shirt, and he did. <laughs> He's in the pictures, all the pictures with the notes from the pin shirt. <laughs> It's a weird feeling, uh, like like so happy that they everyone is doing it, but also like it's just shines a bright light on just how <laughs> far I am from freedom. When everyone's out there, I'm like, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, I forget that you can get pictures somehow if I send them to Mama C. And I I did take a couple pictures of the Wilbur when it was empty from the stage because you asked me to, and I still have never sent them. Yeah, send them over there. Um, yeah, you can send. Uh, you can attach pictures on JPEG, and uh, I have the 23-year-old send me risque esque pictures that rejected all the time. And uh, and yeah, it was a. It's been an eventful couple weeks. Where so you're back at home now, right? Anything? Yeah, it's Thursday. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll start heading out slowly on Saturday again to get back Thursday, and then after that, I have no fucking idea. But. I'm no, I'm not home for more than two days at a time. I think through uh, through I don't well, think most of our uh, viewers we share like almost all of my viewers probably a good seventy five percent are are 
termites as well. So most of them know, but if you're part of the, you know, 30% that isn't a Doug Stanhope fan, how dare you, first of all. Second of all, go check his shit out. Go, uh, go visit him on his tour, because at this point, we're all just doing each other's podcasts and, uh, <laughs> and a cycle. And when you were, t- you did, you did, um, um, Artie Lang's today, and you were, yeah. you said you wanted to ask him questions, but you're the guest, so it's like, you don't want to ask shit that people already know. And I realized I've had, when you're on, I'm like, I'm just running my fucking mouth the whole time, but I don't want to ask you questions that all my viewers already know about you. And then, so we're kind of both in this little standoff where we don't have, we can't, actually, you, you could ask me stuff, but you're my guest. From now on, you just fucking... We find out something new about each other every phone call. Yes, we do, and it's such a pleasant. Just I just float back to well, my fucking Artie was just... talking about being in solitary confinement for two months, and that's where he started writing notes for his new book. I, was, I wanted like I asked him, hey, did you, like how did you write notes in solitary? Because Bingo didn't get fucking crayons in a fucking mental hospital that she went into yeah. voluntarily. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll. Uh... You, oh, yeah, so you didn't get to ask them. Well, in case you were wondering, they give you these rubber little, rubber flexible with, like, a little mini pen. And then uh, you can... Yeah, so I did ask about that, but uh, then I wanted to get into our podcast because I was asking them about exercising, just the, how people were complaining about gyms being closed during COVID. Like, what? You can't find something heavy to lift at home? Why do you need to go to... You have one minute remaining. Ooh, 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 I got a prison vocab word today, since we kind of got away from that. Oh, go. Today's prison vocabulary is meatball. A meatball is used in a derogatory term, kind of like dismissively, for a sentence of five years or under. So it's basically like, shut up, you only did a meatball. You're not really, like, this is, this is a hobby for you, not a lifestyle. It's, it's oddly like a tomato can in boxing. When you right, fight, yeah. I guess you fight someone, it's an easy win just to pad your record. Right. I don't know the etymology of yeah. meatball, but it's uh, stuck. It's a, uh, it's a real thing. I think it's regional. And so well, if you ever want to. Next, next time we do this, maybe we should, if we had Brendan Walsh to do the sound effects, we could, you could give it, do it, uh, who wants to be a millionaire style. A meatball, does it mean A? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would love to have. fucking a sock. <laughs> A Fifi. What is a Fifi used for? Hi, everybody. Mama C here. For the complete library, full episodes, and bonus content, and mainly to support this cause, visit Notes from the Pen on Patreon. To learn more about body and prison reform, visit our website, notesfromthepen.com. And follow us on Twitter to stay current. This has been another Notes from the Pen production.